You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I'm Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorahgmail.com. And, of course, I'll answer as many as you wish. Or you could go to our new webpage at letstalktorah.net. Letstalktorah.net. And there you can send your comments, your questions. Um, you can hit that donate button, and that will be amazing. Help the show, please. Go to that donate button. There's different levels of giving. and we'll, We can give you a shout-out if you want. You want to remain anonymous. People like to do that. doesn't matter. But certainly go to Let's talktorah.net and that will be amazingly helpful um, to the show and I do thank you in advance so in school I, uh, I do a program it's called Kone Olam it's a program from the Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation and it's basically they're going to take eight traits eight um Midos is the Hebrew word of how we want really adults, but certainly children to act, having patience, not delaying, honoring parents, caring about others, being happy. And uh, every month we work on a different character trait and there's like four parts and it's in different countries and we're traveling and it's really a great program. So the guy who runs the program um, from the East Coast, he every couple of years, he flies into Detroit and he meets with the classes. So he told over a great story, just a great story. So he'd taken his children to a bookstore and they, I guess they earned some prize or something. And while they were looking in the store, all of a sudden the power went out and the black clouds had rolled in and there was wind and rain and it was coming down. It was coming down. Lightning, thunder, just that pouring heavy sheets of rain. And they're sitting in the store and they're watching a lady who came out of a nearby grocery store pushing her carriage with her little child full of groceries and, you know, it's raining. You're barely looking where you're going. And, and the cart gets stuck between two cars. Or she can't, it, it doesn't fit. A- and she's like, probably hit some pothole or something. And it's pouring. And all of a sudden, out of a store, a girl comes running out. Running in the rain. You understand? You, five steps in that rain, you're, you're drenched. Running, goes to the carriage, picks up the baby, Gives the mother, say, get into the car. Starts picking up bags of groceries, follows the mother around, gets in the car, goes back to the car and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the girl's obviously, you know, wet like a rag. And the mother is taken care of, gets her baby into the car, gets her groceries. The girl gets the, 
gets this the carriage uh, unstuck, and she goes on her merry way. And that was the story. It's just an amazing story. And you know, when you listen to that story, you you wonder if you saw a lady with a baby carriage and groceries get stuck while she's trying to get to her car, what do you do? Is your reaction, ay, that poor lady? Or is your reaction, let me go help her? What is your reaction? And I think it's a very telling question, which a lot of us never have the opportunity. And as we're in situations, okay, you're on a train, you stand up for someone, you give them your seat, you, you try to help someone. It's true. We Hopefully we're all good at helping people. Hopefully that's true. But, but if you think about it, right, could you do that? And the answer is, of course you could. Right? If, you, if, if being good... If helping others, if you understand that when I'm helping others, I'm like being godlike. God helps, God is kind, I'm kind. If that's your training, if that's your belief system, you could do it. But if you're just a nice person, sometimes I'll be a nice person doesn't mean I'm going to get myself soaking wet because this guy is, uh, you know, wasn't paying attention when it was pouring rain. So... It's really, really what to think about, but it was a beautiful story. I was like, like blown away. Like, um, he told the story. It took longer than it took me, but I'm, you know, he's doing voices with his kids. Like the first, like all good storytellers, by the way, especially when you're talking to children, um, you want to drag out a story. You want to embellish, and just the characters and the tripping and the walking and the silliness, just to get everybody engaged, could take ten minutes in a story, but. I digress. You know, I do owe you a, a story. I, we were in the middle of a story in the last show. So if you're listening to the last show and you're disappointed that I did not finish the story, um, let me finish it now. So the last um, story, the last show, we're talking about a lot about the sabbatical year. And we're talking about living with miracles. So I was telling you a story that there was a a a man, a married man that was still studying Torah in a school in Israel. And his family was getting bigger and there wasn't enough money. And, but he wanted to continue studying, but he didn't know what to do. And then he had the opportunity, he could be a watchman in a factory at night for a couple hours. That'll give him a few extra dollars in his pocket. And according to his calculations, he would be able to continue studying. So he went to the big rabbi in Panavis, his name was Rav Shach, and he asked him, should I take the job at the factory? And in his mind, it was like a no-brainer, like, yeah, of course take it, what's the big deal? And the rabbi said, don't take it. Okay? He walks out and he thinks to himself, the rabbi clearly misunderstood my question. People do that all the time, right? If we don't like the answer, so our first response is, the rabbi did not understand me, or whoever else he asked the question to, for that matter. And he takes the job. And six months later, um, he looks at his bank account, and it's worse than before he took the factory job, which didn't make any sense. Like, he wasn't making it. He knew he wasn't making it, but, 
but the bank account wasn't exactly at zero. Now the bank account is like negative. Like, it just didn't make sense. Like, how is it that six months ago I was struggling? Now I'm struggling even more, and now I'm working. So he figured, you know what? Probably because I didn't listen to the rabbi. So probably God is punishing me that I didn't listen to the rabbi. Let me go ask the rabbi for forgiveness, and then everything will be good. Okay, goes back to the rabbi, and the rabbi he says, okay, you know, I'll stop the job, and, uh, and I'm very sorry that I didn't listen, and then things will go back to the way they were. And Rishach told him, it's too late. Why? Why is it too late? How could it be too late? He says, you don't understand. It has nothing to do with me. You didn't insult me. I don't care if you listen to me or not. But you need to know like this. A person who's studying after he's married and he gets a small stipend and he has a wife and he has children, you can't live a normal life. The only reason you survive is because you're relying on miracles and you're allowed to rely on miracles to a certain extent. If this is the life you choose, God will take care of you. No problem. But you said you wanted to work in the factory because you needed more money. So you're saying, I can't live a miraculous life. I need to live a normal life. A normal life you cannot live by working two or three hours a day. If you're working, you need to work a full day. You don't want to work. You want to live a miraculous life. I'm not saying lazy people. I'm saying people that are serving God, people that are just studying his Torah so that they can serve God. So you want to live that kind of life. You got to live miraculous. You can't do both. It's not miraculous, but I'll do a little bit of work on the side. Anyway, that's that fascinating story. That's really back from last show, but I felt bad I didn't get to the end because the music cut us off. So let's, let's now begin our next show. So I saw a very famous question. Uh, we talk about, you know, Messiah, waiting for the, for the Messiah to come, and, and we're building bricks, and we're adding to the temple, and we finish adding the bricks to the temple. The temple will be rebuilt, and the Messiah will come. So the question is asked, if the earlier generations were holier than we were, and I was, we say, well, let me give you back a famous story first with Rabbi Kavanetsky. So Yavik Kavanetsky was one of the leading rabbis, um, 60s, 70s, 80s. So he was on a plane, and there was an older gentleman sitting next to him. And in those days, you were allowed to get up and walk around. So every couple of minutes, one of this Rabbi Kamenetsky's grandchildren would come and say, is everything okay? Can I get you anything? Do you need anything? If he did, he asked. If he didn't need, he sent them back to seat. So the older gentleman sitting next to Rabbi Kamenetsky said, I don't understand. My grandchildren run away from me. They want nothing to do with me. For sure, they wouldn't keep hovering over me to gladly do me a favor. What is your trick? What is the secret sauce? So Kamenetsky said, no secret, no secret sauce. The difference is that we tell our children that God gave us a Torah Mount Sinai and he gave it to Moses and Moses gave it to the Jewish people but Joshua was the main person who had, who had it down every detail and Joshua gives it to the elders and the elders gave it to the prophets and, and so on and so forth. And I was, every generation 
is one generation removed from that seminal moment when God gave the Jewish people the Torah. So I saw earlier generations, generations they'll never see. And each earlier generation was greater than the following generation because they're closer. The closer you are to the source of Mount Sinai, the greater and holier the, 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 the generation was. Each generation sort of loses some of its level of spirituality, of its holiness. You, on the other hand, Rabbi Kamenetsky said to this older gentleman, you, on the other hand, believe that people come from monkeys. So the way you teach your grandchildren and children is that the further, oh, further along you are in the world, you're further removed from monkeys. So you tell your children that you're closer to the monkeys than they are. Why should they respect you? Okay. With that piece of information. So they ask if the earlier generations were holier and they weren't able to have the temple rebuilt and the Messiah didn't come, what chance, right? What, what, what hope do we have? Why, are, why will our good deeds, why will our Torah study, why will our mitzvahs, why will that have the power, why will those have the power that, to bring the Messiah when the earlier generations, who should have had much, uh, they weren't just on a higher level, their commands, their Torah study, their spirituality was so much more powerful. If they couldn't do it, what makes us any better? So the Chaim answers with a beautiful story. In Russia, there was a wheat merchant. And every market day, he would bring wagon loads full of grain. Those were the good days. Wagon loads of grain. And he'd bring it uh, to, the, to the market. And they would come and they would measure and they would weigh and they would feel and they would check the quality and they would haggle with him. And he made some money, not, nothing great, but he made some money. Over time, though, of course, um, a hunger came and the government and communism started moving in and they were confiscating people's fields. And they were confiscating grain and and all of a sudden, the man, you learned how to hide your grain. And instead of coming with 10 wagon loads, he'd come with a bag or two. And he would make more money from that bag or two than he would from the 10 wagons he used to bring. And he was the happiest guy ever. And they asked him one day, he said, I don't understand you. Like, in the old days, you had so much grain and you weren't so happy. and You weren't even so wealthy. Now... Now, with the hunger going on and nobody has wagon loads of grain, you're the happiest guy. What's going on? He says, you don't understand. In the earlier days, you know, everyone could be choosy because there was so much. There was an abundance of grain. So everybody has grain. So how much is my grain worth already? And if it's not the best quality, nobody wants it. Now, they don't even look. They don't care what the quality of grain is. They can't get their hands on grain People are in food lines. People are starving. So my grain, even if it's the lowest quality, has fantastic value. And it was in times of hunger, you can't be choosy. You'll take whatever you can get. So too, that's what God says. That when you when when Torah study, 
when mitzvahs, when commands, when people did them at a very high level. So God can be choosy. I like that mitzvah. I like that Torah scholar. I like how that one's studying because the quality was amazing. But nowadays, the quality is not on that level. So God can't be choosy. God will take whatever he can get, which makes our Torah study, our good deeds, that much more valuable. And with that, we can try and understand an interesting verse. The verse demands that we strengthen the poor, that we lift him up, that we take care of him. Otherwise, right, you have a poor guy. He goes collecting, he's trying to get to borrow money, trying to start another business, and he's not successful. Goes, knocks on people's doors, they don't want to help him. He comes home, the children are hungry, they cry to God, right? So the Chavetz Chaim says, what will our answer be, right? When we go up to heaven and God says, this poor guy knocked on your door, he went home to crying, hungry children, and you didn't help. Why did you help? Why didn't you lift up this poor guy? Things were bad. Times were bad for him. Why couldn't you help him out? Right? Now, that goes, that follows really in this Torah portion for the following, because it says in this Torah portion that if a person doesn't keep the Shemitah, if he doesn't keep the sabbatical year, so first, I have to start selling his fields. Then he's going to start borrowing money with interest. Then he's going to have to sell his daughter. Then he's going to have to sell himself as a slave. Right? So the becoming poor, now this is not a blanket statement because it's certainly not always true, but certainly in those days, right, you saw a person that was wealthy, you saw the person become poor, and you could figure out a lot of times what happened. So this guy that became poor is, as we say, is no tzaddik, right? He's not so righteous. He obviously did something wrong. The guy wanted to punish him. I don't want to say every time you see a poor person that you can say, ooh, he's a bad guy. Otherwise, why did God punish him? That's ridiculous. But there are times when it's clear that the guy became poor because he was not doing what God wanted. And on this guy, this very person, the Torah is telling you, you better stand him up. You better help him, because if you don't help him, God's going to get mad at you. So the person's being punished. He became poor because he didn't listen to what God wanted. And still, our responsibility is, I see a poor person. It is not my job to question. Oh, why does he go get a job? He's a healthy person. Why does he go work? Why is he bothering me? Does he know I worked hard for my money? Probably he did something wrong and God's punishing him. That's God's problem. Person is poor, person is wealthy, person has uh, situations. That's God's problem. Why everything that's happening to every person is going on. Your job in this world is you see the poor guy, you got to help him out. You don't get to make calculations, well, God has a plan, and that's why God made him poor. No, just the opposite. Absolutely, that is not our attitude. God has his calculations. Why does God have to be poor? It's none of my business. It is irrelevant. My business is I see the guy is suffering. I see the guy needs help. And I am in a position to help him. Then I have to go help him. 
that's really what's coming out from this week's Torah portion. Now, by the way, another interesting um, part of this whole uh, puzzle, at least in this week's Torah portion, is an interesting command. The command is you cannot take interest. We call it ribis. I can't, which means I cannot lend you money no matter what the rate is, right? You need $50,000, no problem. I'm going to charge you 4% or 5% interest, which is not terrible, certainly not nowadays. Right? The Torah demands that you lend interest-free, meaning the Torah is demanding that you do kindness with your money. In other words, I could rent a car. I could rent farm equipment. I could rent my shovel. I could rent my baseball glove. Nothing wrong with renting stuff. What you can't do is rent money, right? You cannot charge me interest. Now, you can make a business deal, and maybe that's where the Torah is going. In other words, this guy needs $50,000. What do you need $50,000 for? Obviously, he's opening up a business. So you could borrow it, and I don't want to know about it, and we'll charge you interest, or no. And maybe that's the best thing for the person. Oh, you want to open up a business? Amazing. What kind of business are you trying to open? Let's be partners. Me and you. 50-50. Which means, by the way, the the difference, by the way, between business and interest, I'm sure you know a lot of differences. But as far as the Torah is concerned, the difference is in a business, as much as I stand to gain, I stand to lose. I can lose my $50,000. I can make a million dollars if you make profit. But I stand to lose. If I stand to lose, the likelihood is that I will help you to make sure you don't lose. I'll check over the books. I'll help you with your business. I will inform you. I will teach you. I will help you grow. Well, interest, I'm giving you money. I don't care about you. Here's the money. All I care is I get my money back. That's interest. That's horrible. Think of all the loan sharks and mobsters and gangsters. So interesting talking about money. Quick story. Hopefully we have enough time. So there's a wealthy man and his wife um, became ill. So it seems he had to send her off to a a doctor in some uh, distant city. And she's being treated. And the treatment was going well. The problem was that you got to keep paying these doctors and the hotels and, and whatever she needed. She sends a message to her husband, I need 50,000 ruble, whatever ruble's worth. They had a problem. Nowadays, nowadays it's just like your credit card. But you have your bank account, you have your debit card, I wire you money. Nowadays, very easy to transfer money. But in those days, pre-banks, how'd you deliver money? You had to find a reliable messenger. And if you found a reliable messenger, he was going to want a lot of money. He's got to worry about robbers and traveling and, and who knows what and taxes and, and walking through city gates. There's a lot to worry about. So you were going to pay a lot of money. You were going to have to pay a lot of money um, to get money delivered from one place to another. So... The wealthy man found a guy willing to deliver the money, but they they just couldn't come to to an agreement of what the payment should be. 
So the wealthy man was so desperate. He says, you know what? You can take... You can, you, can, you can take whatever you want. In other words, I want you, he wrote in the contract, I want you to give my wife whatever you want. They actually wrote a legal document that says, this guy is my messenger, he has 50,000 ruble, and he should give my wife whatever he wants. <laughs> sure enough, you can only imagine. He shows up in town a few weeks later, goes to the wife, okay, your husband asked me to deliver uh, money to you. Um, he gave me 50,000 ruble. She said, oh, thank you very much, because that's exactly what I need. And, well, the the document says that I can give you whatever I want. Right? It says here, give my wife whatever I want, whatever you want. Here's 2,000 ruble, and have a good life. So wife says, come on, it's not fair. So we'll go to the rabbi. Go to the rabbi. The rabbi reads the document He's entitled to give the man whatever he wants. Now, the rabbi knew that the the husband is a wealthy businessman, a very intelligent person. It doesn't make sense, right? That was what you expect. If you say the guy can give whatever he wants, he gave two thousand ruble. He did you a favor, but she needs fifty thousand. What was the guy thinking? So wealthy says, man says, do me a favor. Come back tomorrow. Come back tomorrow, because there's got to be something here. So he comes back tomorrow, and he says, okay, you give her 48000 you keep 2000 because that's what the document says. So what are you talking about? That's not what the document says. Yeah, yeah, that's what the document says. No, no, the document says that I have to give the wife whatever I want. I want to give her 2000 No, 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 no. You don't know how to read. The document says that you have to give the wife what you want. You want 48000 So you have to give his wife what you want. You keep 2000 She gets 48000 That is like such a brilliant um, thought. Such a clever, we find this, there's all kinds of stories like this, where people had to deliver things and you had to be clever. There's another similar story where a man was dying and his child was living in a different country, time at a Talmud, and he had a slave. So he told the slave, um, everything belongs to you except for one thing. Okay, this one we're going to have to get back to another time because the music is playing. So, of course, thank you to the production team. We have Al in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. Special things I can